Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, January 26th. They were just good old boys, never meaning no harm. And on this date in 1979, Bo and Luke Duke of the Dukes of Hazard made their debut on CBS. You probably remember their car, the General Lee, but do you remember what kind of car it was? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Thursday forecast. And good Thursday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovine. Cooling down behind a cold front that moved through overnight. Temperatures in the 40s this morning, 50s at lunchtime, and upper 50s for highs this afternoon. Under a sunny sky, still a little bit of a breeze out there. That wind dies down at night. We go down to 34. We wake up to a cold start tomorrow morning, 55. Sunny, cool tomorrow afternoon. Now on Saturday, we'll be around 61. But we start out around 30. Some spots inland could be in the 20s Saturday morning. Then we begin that warming trend. 61 Saturday, 65 on Sunday, but we could see some showers by Sunday afternoon and evening. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Thank you for joining us. After two and a half days of jury selection and an afternoon of dramatic opening statements, testimony will begin first thing this morning in the Alec Murdoch trial. 52-year-old Murdoch is accused of gunning down his wife Maggie and son Paul on their hunting property in the summer of 2021. Live 5's Katie Kamen is live in the Colleton County Courthouse this morning where the trial will continue in just a few hours. Katie, bring us up to speed on those opening statements and what's happening today on the first day of testimony. Good morning. Good morning, Nick and Aisha. Well, court will resume at 9.30 this morning, at which point the state will be able to call its first witness to the stand. Now, the judge did ask for that witness yesterday, but the state said they were having technical difficulties. Prosecutors, uh, they were planning to call someone who was there on the night of the murders uh, and to show some body cam footage, but they said the court's audio-visual system would not allow sound to play. It's unclear if that will be resolved by this morning or if the state will have to call a different witness. Now, during those opening statements yesterday, the prosecution and the defense, they painted very different pictures pictures of what happened the night of the murders. The prosecution attempted to poke holes in Murdoch's alibi. They said there's evidence proving he's the killer, like cell phone data. Something new yesterday, the prosecution argues Murdoch showed up to his mother's house with a blue tarp that tested positive for gunshot residue that all happened about a week after the murders. Meanwhile, the defense described Murdoch as a loving uh, husband and father and questions how he could be capable of that brutal execution-style murder. Now, they tried to discredit the state's cell phone data and argue there's a lack of forensic evidence linking Murdoch to the murders. The cases that were found in that flower bed and the cases that were found across the street at that range were ejected out of the same weapon that fired all the cases that were around Maggie's dead body, that killed her. It was a family weapon that killed Maggie Murdoch. There's no eyewitness. There's no forensics tying him to the murder. When I say forensics, fingerprints, blood, whatever, tying him to shooting anybody that night. The cell phone records would indicate he would have had less than 10 minutes to kill him, get up to the house, get in the car and crank it up. He'd be covered in blood. 
For the first time yesterday, we saw Murdoch's surviving son, Buster, in the courtroom. Some other family members were there as well, seemingly showing support for Murdoch. We're not quite sure yet if they will be there for the remainder of the trial. Live in Colleton County, Katie Kamen, Live 5 News. All right, thank you, Katie. Well, the judge in Murdoch's trial has issued a new ruling. Presiding Judge Clifton Newman has ordered all crime scene as well as autopsy photos and videos into sealed evidence. The joint motion from the state and defense uh, seals photos and videos graphically depicting the victims. The document states the reason is to provide a fair trial and to prevent further emotional distress to the victims' families. Make sure you stick with us throughout the day. Our team coverage is going to continue at noon. We'll have Cruz and Walterboro to bring you the very latest. You can also find us online and streaming platforms including Roku, Fire TV, as well as Apple TV. A 23-year-old is facing charges after Goose Creek police say he led them on a chase Tuesday. Police say Justin Cash is being charged with shoplifting and several traffic offenses. A Walmart employee called 911 just after 5 p.m. and reported a person shoplifting. The employee then gave a description of that suspect and the vehicle. When investigators arrived, they saw a car that matched the description. Cash then drove north towards Highway 17A, and police say he was driving erratically, while trying to get away, Cash caused two crashes that involved multiple vehicles. After the second crash, police say the man ran away. Cash was eventually arrested and booked into the Berkeley County Detention Center. The Charleston County Sheriff's Office is investigating a shooting that left a woman hurt. Deputies responded to Theodore Brunson Road near Highway 17 in Ondod just before 7 p.m. last night. A caller reported someone shot through the front door of a home, hitting a woman inside. She was taken to the hospital for what officials are calling serious injuries. No arrests have yet been made. One local free clinic is officially opening its new location today. Dr. Rish Makan and Charleston Mayor John Tecklenburg will cut the ribbon for the new Shifa Free Clinic on Marina Drive at 10 a.m. this morning. Now, the clinic was originally on Johnny Dodds Boulevard in Mount Pleasant, but with an anticipated growth of 18% over the coming years, officials say this new facility will allow for an expansion of patients in the Charleston area to receive high-quality medical care. The free clinic has, range of, has a range of medical care, including primary care, gynecology, and pediatrics. Well, more than half a million dollars worth of federal grant money has been poured into the Lowcountry to fight the opioid epidemic. The money is for the Charleston County Coroner's Office, and they already have big plans investing in a real-time toxicology machine. In less than half an hour, using less than a millimeter of blood, the machine can scan for traces of 21 drugs. Officials hope this information can inform them quickly and help prevent more drug-related deaths when they find a problem area or a laced batch. The forensics equipment will be able to provide immediate drug testing results and real-time data to the coroner's office, law enforcement, and medical providers. The Charleston County School District plans to demolish a middle school built in the 1950s to replace it with a new multi-million dollar campus. School district officials say a $66 million facility will be replacing the current Morningside Middle off of Rivers Avenue. Officials say the new building will have 48 classrooms, a gym, cafeteria, media center, and outside play area. Now, students zoned to Morningside will move over to the old Garrett Academy, which is 
about 10 minutes away while the work is being done on that new campus. Officials believe they can have the school open to students by the summer of 2025. Thanks so much, Alicia. Well, the city of Charleston wants to help business owners complete their late night establishment permit application. Now, this is after there's been a recent update to the longstanding ordinance. Today, city leaders will hold an open house for business owners ahead of the application deadline coming up next month. Our Molly McBride joins us live from the peninsula. And Molly, tell us a little bit more about this ordinance and who exactly needs to be applying for this permit. Good morning. Good morning, Nick and Aisha. The city defines any late night establishment as any business that serves alcohol and is open past midnight. The updated ordinance was passed in mid-September provides a guide on how much security needs to be in place and requires businesses to create a safety plan to prevent underage drinking and ensure crowd control. I spoke to Captain Jason Bruder, the captain patrol for the Charleston Police Department, who tells me the new update will include additional guidelines for how and where to staff security. Captain Bruder says the new ordinance is also easier to enforce by adding consequences based on the specific violations officers were observing. New and existing businesses must apply for the new late-night establishment operational permit by February 13th of this year. Captain Bruder says the purpose of today's open house is to answer questions for businesses that need to go through the process and neighbors who live near a late-night establishment. It's not new, but it's going to be new for a lot of people to go through a process to put together a plan that that has um, all these details in it and just have the uh, the people that are involved with the process available for questions and, and meet the people that are going to be coming out and, and, and answering the questions of the community. Today's open house is from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the public meeting room in 2 George Street. For more information about the new ordinance or today's open house, head over to live5news.com and click on this web story. Reporting live on King Street, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Governor Henry McMaster is laying out his plan for South Carolina this year. Yeah, last night, Governor uh, the governor reiterated some calls he's been making to the General Assembly recently, like raising teacher starting pay, accelerating road and bridge fixes, and putting more money into state reserves to prepare for a potential economic downturn. Now, during his State of the State address, Governor McMaster reiterated some calls for uh, the teacher pay to, for teacher pay increases, road bridges and roads and bridges to be fixed. And for more money to be put into those state reserves, as uh, Aisha just mentioned. Yes, and he also unveiled some new proposals as well, including a major restructuring of how South Carolina selects its judges. Another major announcement in his address, a petition for rehearing on the state's six-week abortion ban. That law was struck down by the state Supreme Court less than three weeks ago. Other major topics that he wants to see taken up is legislation to keep illegal guns out of the hands of criminals and the passage of a shield law which could allow for lethal injections to resume. And let us set our state on a course that will provide these opportunities for prosperity, success, and happiness for generations of South Carolinians to come. To hear McMaster's full state of the state address, just to visit the, our website, live5news.com, and click on this story. Well, the state Senate has passed a resolution recognizing one senator for being the longest-serving state senator currently in office. Nikki Setzler, who represents Lexington, Aiken, Calhoun, and Saluda counties, will be also become the second longest-serving 
uh, state senator in the state's history when his term ends in 2024. Setzler has served since 1977, which is 46 years. Now, Setzler and a few other senators spoke on the Senate floor Tuesday congratulating him on this milestone. The resolution says Setzler brings jobs and increases the quality of life for his constituents. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date, 44 years ago, the Dukes of Hazard premiered. The Duke boys drove around in a car they named the General Lee. It was a 1969 Dodge Charger. The website mentalfloss.com estimates 300 of the Chargers were destroyed over the seven-year run of the series. Celebrating birthdays today, actor Scott Glenn is 84, comedian Ellen DeGeneres is 65, and gospel singer Kirk Franklin is 53. Thank you again for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all. Produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.